It's Rob Reed of the PlayerTrack.com podcast. Welcome back, 2011. Had a long, long, long hiatus, but we're back. And this week, I'm going to start off going over the top first baseman. Hello, everybody. It's Rob Reed of PlayerTrack.com and BaseballGeeks.com back for a new season of Fantasy Baseball. And most importantly for you, if you are a regular listener of PlayerTrack or a user or have been in the past, it's free. I designed PlayerTrack in 2005 to help me better understand the rankings and to do something different than no one else has done and still hasn't is to rank players against each other. Now, player track this year is better than ever. And so you ask, why free? Well, I want to bring more people to the site, if we can. The more people to the site, the more helpful it can be for you and your fantasy baseball play, the more helpful it can be for me. Uh, I am uh, been considered an expert. You'll find me in Fantasy Baseball Index as an expert. But the reality is anybody can do this stuff if you just look at the statistics and you can make predictions. And that's what Player Track's about. Player Track allows you to try and make predictions with different fantasy baseball peripherals that we all know and love, like batting average on balls and play, called on Player Track BIP or BABIP. And uh, there's the fielding independent percentage for, for uh, pitchers, FIP. There's contact rate, a lot of things that you're going to hear over and over again here on the podcast as I talk about players and uh, try and predict who's going to be good and who's going to be bad. But it's a better system this year because it compares players against the mean, not just against each other, but how well they went above or below the average player in that particular category. And so without further ado, let's get right into the first baseman, which is what this podcast is about. I'm going to look at 2010 statistics, first base, minimum 20 games played at the position with a minimum of 150 at-bats. I'm going to check off add walks, uh, and that will... Uh, that involves adding walks to the total at-bats so that if somebody had 120 at-bats uh, and they had 30 walks, they can qualify here under pro-rated because that's the stat type I'm going to use. And why I'm going to use pro-rated is so we end up talking about players who were injured last season and who are on par to do very well uh, given a full season. So we start off with a player who I said was going to be the AL MVP who I targeted in all my leagues, and I did get in uh, the Bloomberg League that was a horrific, horrific experience for me uh, last year just because my number two was Jacoby Ellsbury and my number three was Grady Sizemore. My second baseman was Aaron Hill. Need I go on? My number one pitcher was Johan Santana. Need I go on? Okay, I won't go on. Miguel Cabrera comes in at number one. Everything to love about this kid what i loved about him last year of course was the fact that it was his rule of 27 season so he turns 28 in april of this year still at the absolute peak and i've got to tell you today i i made a post about him i said it's amazing so hard to believe that he turns only 28 this year and since player track has been keeping track of player statistics his overall prorated ranking and this is since 2004 has never been below 29 that's overall and that's even when, you know, when this very first season, if I believe, was 2004. Um, I could be wrong there. 
but I believe that. And were it not for a crazy luck season from cargo, Carlos Gonzalez, with his 390-plus batting average on balls in play, my prediction that Miguel would have been the best player in fantasy and certainly the American League MVP, which I believe he was. I was right with that prediction. But entire fantasy would have been a reality. As we come here, he definitely was the number one uh, first baseman. And I think he will be for the next few years. It's going to be a fight with him and a couple other guys we're going to talk about here. But just a, an amazing player all the way around. My Money League is an on-base percentage league, as a lot of you probably know if you've been listening to the podcast for a while. Always up there in on-base percentage. Always up there in OPS. His batting average on balls in play last season was uh, 342. And that was slightly lower than the 349 he had in 2009. His worst batting average on balls in play since we kept track in 2004 was 316 in 2008. And that's when he hit only, I say, 292. So a bad season for him is 290s. And that same season, he had 37 home runs. 40 home runs is not out of the question with him at this stage of the game. I think he's just about hitting his peak. You'll see in the player track graph on his profile that he is at his highest point since we've been keeping track. And so uh, there's just no sign of regression there. Joey Votto comes in at number two. You know, I was high on him a couple years ago, and he's just proof in the pudding. He's absolutely proven that he's an absolute stud coming just ahead of Albert Pujols in total points here. He's totally ranked with 167.19 points. Uh, Pujols is close, uh, relatively close third at 149.81. But Vato did in a number of these categories. Again, we're talking standard 5-5. Just outdo uh, Pujols. Outdid him in average outdid him in on-base percentage, outdid him just barely in stolen bases. And of course, you know, Pujols was amazing as well at just 31 years old. But Vato just turned 28. So we've got a number of good years for him. There's a great lineup happening there in Cincinnati. So you got to like him. And proration is important here for our number four, who would not appear here otherwise, is Justin Morneau. Justin Morneau, eight months ago, had a concussion that knocked him out for the season. He only had 296 at-bats, but he was on pace for, you know, just amazing statistics. 18 home runs in those 296 at-bats. You know, you essentially double that up, 36 to 40 home runs. He had 56 RBI. He had 53 runs scored, a 345 average. And on ba- a batting average on balls in play, that was 389. That was really high for him. And uh, that's probably why he comes in higher here because his, in general, I would say his average batting average on balls in play since 2004, we've been figuring it out, is actually just maybe around 300, maybe even a little bit below that. So when you consider the fact it was up to 389, which had him hitting 345, you're going to knock down potentially 80 points there, 70 points. And so the 274 that Justin Morneau hit in 2009, 2007, 271, Probably more like it. Uh, what I said on January 31st of this year is that he's ranked so high because of the batting average and limited playing time. He's just not He's not this good. He's a great fantasy player, though. And the thing that's very, very concerning is the fact that uh, I think it was Aaron Gleeman, who's my Facebook buddy, who writes a lot uh, about the Minnesota Twins, and he just writes a lot in general. as one of the blogging success stories out there, Aaron Gleeman. And he said that um, Justin Morneau was saying now that he's not 100% yet. 
And so now that we're in spring training, that's got to be a concern for you. He's 30 years old and right at that peak as well. But just because you're 30 years old or 31 like Albert Pujols, number five comes in Paul Canerco, 35 years old. Thing about Paul's, he's kind of like Adrian Beltre. You get him a contract and he's going to do anything. He's going to do everything. He's, I, I, I uh, did not imagine that he would hit almost 40 home runs last season. I didn't see that with Paul Canerco. And yet he, he did, 39 essentially, in 548 at-bats. Absolutely amazing. The average is something that uh, I think you're not going to expect. He did have a 333 batting average on balls in play in 2006 when he hit 313, which I believe also happened to be a, uh, a contract year. I'm almost positive. And in 2006, he was the seventh overall first baseman in all of player track, the number five now. But then after he was number seven, 2006, he was the 31st, then the 32nd, then the 23rd. And I got to tell you that I think Paul Canerco, notwithstanding an amazing season last season, is a guy that I just I just can't look at. I want him to do well because I think a guy who I'm going to keep, an outfielder, Alex Rios, they're on the same squad. Canerco did get a uh, his contract, and I want him to. I want uh, Rios to get a lot of pitches, and the way he'll get a lot of pitches, especially if he's hitting behind Canerco is if uh, Canerco's doing well. You know, so that's, I'm hoping against hope, but I'll tell you the law of averages and, you know, the Adrian Beltre syndrome here, we can call Paul Canerco syndrome. I'm not sold. 35 years old, uh, that was probably the best season we're going to see out of him in this non-steroid era. Number six comes in, a guy who, uh, the money ball guy who, Billy Bean knew had an amazing ability to get on base. And once again, he showed that at 402 on base percentage. I'm talking about Kevin Euclid, 32 years old. Kevin is just right there at his peak and is just across the board a fantastic player. Uh, the thing about him, we look at the last two seasons, and he's probably averaged the last two seasons about 300 and. Uh, Maybe about 400 at-bats, I think, a little bit over that. And so injuries plague him. And I'm not concerned about his batting average on balls in play being 333 last season because it was 363 before that, 347 before that, 334 before that, 335. So he's absolutely in line there. And the 307 average we see there is exactly what we can expect from him. 19 home runs and 316 at-bats, and 360 at-bats, rather, 362, is a great, great sign, a sign of great things to come. Uh, I don't expect him to steal a lot of bases, although you know four is pretty reasonable like he had last season. He had seven the year before. But I, I think the reality is going to be for me that this number seven who's coming up, Kendry Morales, I like more than Euclid. I like more than Canerco. I like more than Morneau because of the risk that we can see in Morneau. Kendry Morales had an amazing season in 2009. A lot of great things were expected of him, and then he was knocked out for the season on May 29th. A lot of people in your league might forget about Kendry Morales as a result of that. He had 11 home runs and almost 200 at-bats, which was on pace for certainly about the same that he had the year before. He had 34 in 2009, which was the breakout season. And everything was all cylinders. He was hitting 290, notwithstanding the fact his batting average on balls in play was sub-300, below league average. He had cut his strikeout rate in those 200 at-bats. He's just looking wonderful. 
not going to steal you many bases. He shouldn't be running. He was thrown out seven times out of 10 in 2009. So I don't expect that uh, Mike Sosha is going to have that guy running the base pass. But he was exactly, proration-wise, exactly the same ranking. The seventh overall first baseman in 2010 and 2009. And I think we're going to see him around there again. Certainly, you know, barring injury, but I think he, the huge breakout is for real. Kendry and 200 at-bats prove that, that it's not a fluke. Another guy who's not a fluke, and a lot of people have chided me in the past because Ryan Howard, number eight, has not appeared high in these rankings. It's just simply because there's always some category, usually in the batting average, where he falters and he can definitely kill you. And so the average that he had last season of 276 compared to Kendry's 290 or 300 that he hit before, 307 for Euclid. That's the spot. Here at 276, he's like, you know, 30 points below average here, even more so than that. And the power is there, although he hit just 31 home runs. I suggest only because that was 14 less than he hit in 2009 and 17 less than he hit in 2008. What does that mean? I don't know. He's 32 years old. He's going to turn the end of the year. He just turned... 31. So he's he's a young 31 right now, 32 after the season's over. And uh, if he can hit 48 or uh, 45 again, he can rise up a little bit in the rankings. But that batting average and certainly the strikeouts, it was great to see him cut up, cut down the strikeouts slightly. His contact rate was 71% last season compared to 69 and 67 the previous two years. So that's a that's a good sign. It's not great, uh, but certainly a lot better than somebody like Mark Reynolds, who is, you know, we'll talk about later, I'm sure, who just strikes out sub-200 average. I mean, we're not going to get that from Howard. But if Ryan Howard, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's 334 batting average and balls in play last season, if he gets unlucky – like 2008 when he had 289 and a 251 average. That's in the cards. He had 268 in 2007 as well. So Ryan Howard, if you need power, you know where to get it. That's the bottom line here at first base. But the thing is, there's power is just everywhere here at the first base spot. So really all that can happen is somebody can kill you in a category, and that's Ryan Howard. Aubrey Huff comes in at number nine. I predicted Aubrey was going to have a great season last season because it was a contract year and because of the unlucky figures that he had in previous seasons. And uh, I predicted that the year before as well because he was in the contract year as well and he was he suffered from a ton of bad luck. That was in 2009 where he only hit 15 home runs. But his contact rate then was 83%. The 2009 batting average on balls in play was 263 so I said we can expect at least league average from him, which would be 40 points above, and we can expect him to hit 280. So he comes out in 2010 and hits 290. 380 on-base percentage, not thrown out at all in seven attempts to steal. That you don't go after because in 2009 he was thrown out six out of six times. So you get Aubrey potentially for four uh, categories. This is a guy that uh, I think people might pay a little bit too much for. Comes off a World Series, comes off a, a an exciting year, a resurgent year for him, but uh, I don't think that the Giants are going to be as great this season. I think that they were sort of fluky, and, and I'm trying not to just show my Dodger bias there. I think it was kind of fluky, and I think because we're not playing for an immediate contract here, old Aubrey is not going to rank in the top 10 next season. 
somebody who I'm pretty sure is going to. And this is a guy who I can keep. I can keep in my money league. I think for twenty bucks because he was bought pretty cheap a few years ago, and it's five dollar increase each year. Last season he cost me fifteen. I'm talking about Adrian Gonzalez now moving to Fenway and now moving to a very exciting team. I'm on the record at Fantasy Baseball Index to say that he's going to be the Fantasy AL MVP this year. I call that wishful thinking because I'm keeping him, but anything can happen here. He's moving out of a pitcher's park from Petco, moving to the Green Monster area, and uh, I think the morale is going to be great there in Boston. They have a very, very nice team happening over there. I expect the Phillies in Boston in the World Series, and a lot of the reason Boston's going to be there is because of the amazing season that Adrian's going to have. Adrian did have a down uh, in his home runs slightly. He hit 40 in 2009, only 31 last season. A batting average on balls in play that was 45 points above what he had in 2009, which was 280. Uh, but that the 280 was the aberration when he hit 277. So hitting 300, I think he can do in his sleep. I think that's going to happen. And so I, what I said in, in March 19, 2010, before last season, is there was room for improvement. The 280 batting average in balls in play he had and a reduction in the strikeouts means bigger and better things in 2010. And that's what happened. And I expect the same will happen. He didn't have a substantial amount of luck hitting 325 batting average balls in play. That was more lucky than league average. His contact rate exactly the same, so he's striking out the same number of times, but not that many times considering league average, about league average, I think. And uh, when he was in 2009 ranked the 17th overall first baseman, now the 10th, he's just turned uh, 28 years old. He's going to turn 29 in May, and uh, I'm excited about him, and I think you should be too. Mark Teixeira, a lot of people might be kind of down on him because he can't, He had an off year for a Mark Teixeira, 256 that he hit for the Yanks. He had 292 and 308 and 306 in the three seasons before. So what's attributed to that? You know the, you know the deal. You know the drill. It's batting average and balls in play. Unlucky. That's the reality with Mark Teixeira. He's going to be better. And he's the guy who's going to appear up here rather than a, an Aubrey Huff or a Paul Canerco. He's going to come back up. And uh, things are going to be just fine for Mark Teixeira and for your fantasy team if you pick him up. Uh, he still hit 33 home runs, 113 runs, RBIs, 108. So all these figures are still great. They just were down, particularly that average, which killed his owner last season. And that owner might not be very happy. And people just might not be thinking Mark. They might be thinking, you know, to try and get some value and get some super stats like they did from Aubrey Huff last season or something or or Canerco again. But I think you're making a big mistake. Mark Teixeira, I really think, is going to be a top five first baseman uh, this year. Um, it, it just stands to reason. If he hit 300, that's exactly where he would have been. Adam Dunn comes at number 12 and now moving to uh, to uh, Chicago as well. You know, Chicago is, again, that hitter's ballpark. A lot of home runs hit out there. It was the first time in a few years that Adam hadn't hit exactly 40 home runs, but it was still 38. So Adam's a great option, but... Whereas Mark Teixeira had bad luck last season with his 256, Adam Dunn hitting 260 is probably great luck. You know, he could definitely hit below that. Not very good. Not a great hitter, unlike number 13, Billy Butler. Billy Butler turns 25. So there's a lot of room for improvement with old Billy. The power has not really translated into uh, fantasy value for this position. 
you get him for his on-base percentage if you have that in your league and certainly average. Uh, the problem is playing for Kansas City is a low morale. There's not a lot of RBIs to hit in. He only had 78. There's not a lot of runs to be scored. He only scored 77. So the reality is unless Billy Butler moves to another team, uh, the value is going to keep him here outside of the of the uh, top 10, I would say. If he can somehow get 30 home run power, that's wonderful, and that can certainly happen with a kid who's only 25, and we can see in the next few years as he hits his peak at age 27, 28. That's a decent possibility. Adam LaRoche, and you got to like Adam LaRoche, I do, but moving away and moving from Arizona and going to Washington, 31 years old, hit 261 last season, but did have 25 home runs. He's a lock, I would say, for 25 home runs, and that's not a stretch because he's hit exactly that the last three years. Um, and the RBI he had last season is 100, but I kind of see Kansas City-type syndrome here with Washington. I don't think Washington's a very good team, and because of that, the figures that he had here, the 100 RBI, I don't see that happening. 75 runs scored, maybe that's probably what we're going to see. I, if, I could see 25 home runs, 80 RBI, 80 runs scored. And that's not great. It really isn't. The 261 average, well, that's not good either. But his batting average in balls in play was 333, which was actually a point higher than 2009 when he hit 277. So he's anywhere between a 260, 275 hitter. And I don't see any reason that that's going to go up. He struck out more last season than I'm trying to see if it's ever. And it is. Uh, it looked like he might have been pressing at times maybe to keep his 25 home run pace. 69% contact rate last season is the lowest since he hit 73% in 2006. So that was a huge drop. 172 strikeouts and 560 at-bats. He's trying to emulate uh, Ryan Howard and Mark Reynolds there, I think. So Adam LaRoche is a guy that, that I skip out on. And uh, let's look at some players outside of that. I want to look at the raw rankings and see how they change. Raw rankings, 150 minimum at-bats. All leagues, multi-leagues, adding walks, standard 5-5, clicking the results. And uh, the top 10 sees Adam Dunn. Justin Morneau falls out of 11. And now we can see Prince Fielder. Prince Fielder comes in at number 12. Now, what was the deal with Prince Fielder? Well, Prince Fielder loses a lot of value for the same reason that some of these other players did, including Ryan Howard knocking down, getting knocked down there on the prorated portion. A 261 batting average. But what is that reflective of? The 292 batting average on balls in play. And it, it the batting average on balls in play is almost rocket. I mean it's not rocket science, but it's almost like a guarantee that if you just add what somebody's average is, their batting average on balls in play average through their career to the uh the batting average on balls in play, and then therefore the average for a predicted season. He dropped 30 points in batting average on balls in play from 2009 to 2010. So you add those 30 points to his average, and he should have hit 291, which was very similar to the 299 that Prince hit in 2009. He had a 305 batting average on balls in play in 2008 when he hit 276. But here's the deal we finally reached Prince Fielder's rule of 27 year. And if you're not new to this podcast, you're not new to fantasy. If you are new to fantasy, the rule of 27 in fantasy lore is that that's the point where a player will generally hit their peak right around that time. So it's a plus. He's at his potential peak. In 2007, Prince hit 50 home runs. 
and then he dropped the next year 16 home runs to 34. Only the next year to rise up 12 to 46. Last year he dropped down again 14 home runs and only hit, and I put that in quotes, 32. So I'd say, because he's like has hot and cold years, and if you look at his player graph at the player track, you'll see it's up, down, up, down, up, down. He's kind of like the Javier Vasquez here of offense, you know, where every other year seems to do better. And I say that 42-plus home runs for Prince is again on the agenda, a return to 270s-plus average, and I wouldn't be surprised to see 290. And I think that he has a great shot to be a top-five first baseman this year easily. And if you can get value for somebody like Prince Fielder, this is the time. I don't know if your league is very savvy. If you have leagues that certainly, you know, you need power, and unfortunately, power is very sexy in fantasy. So you can't hide players like this when they hit 32 home runs in an off year. But if you need to spend a few extra bucks to beat someone else in your league this year, I think you can do it for Prince. And I think I would be the guy to do so. It's definitely worth your while. Michael Kadire comes in as a number 14 here under Raw Stats. Played 84 games at first base. Uh, he's at the Minnesota Twins and a pretty fair team there. Not that excited about him, though. Buster Posey, remember that he has qualification at first base, but his value is going to be certainly a catcher, but he comes at number 17 in raw stats. Derek Lee's a guy. Ugh, he was another guy that killed me in a number of leagues, including my money league, hitting only 260. Hitting 260 for the first time, I think, in his career, certainly from my memory, his lowest in since 2004, his lowest batting average was 278. So did I think he was going to hit 260? No, especially at Wrigley hitting it in the Ivy. No. And then having a huge drop off in home runs, some 16 home run drop. Hey, the guy just killed me and there was no wrist injury so that I could have an excuse uh, for why. So Derek is going to improve. I mean, he's got nowhere else to go. The thing is he's 30, he's going to turn 36 next September. So essentially this is his 35th year. And uh, he's still going to be pretty solid. Could he be this year's Paul Canerco? It's very possible. He could he could see 35 home runs again, 30 home runs. I wouldn't bet on it. His batting average and balls in play was not that uh, horrific. It was above league average at 312, a little bit below what his general average is, which is probably in the 330s. So he had 20 points. Uh, if he had his standard amount of luck in 2010, he still would only hit 280 and probably wouldn't have risen that much uh, in the rankings here. But still somebody you should think about. Somebody who absolutely, I would say, you think of, uh, you should think about who had an off year because of a terrible batting average and balls in play. And this is a guy we're going to talk about in outfield, but he also qualifies at first base because he played 20 games there. Carlos Lee. Carlos Lee, 239 batting average on balls in play, which resulted in the 246 batting average. Carlos Lee is a guy that's picked to click, notwithstanding the fact that he's 35 years old. And if I had a choice between Carlos Lee, Paul Canerco, or Derek Lee, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Carlos Lee's the guy. I really like him. Uh, Mike Napoli, you have to think about, comes in at number 26. The thing about Napoli is I'm only excited about him as long as he's playing catcher and qualifies there. And he does qualify there this year. The thing is, they've uh, I've heard Jorvit Torrealba, who's the is uh, penciled in to be the starting catcher at Texas. Although looking at MLB's depth charts, I can see Napoli as the primary guy catcher, but I've heard otherwise. 
He also happens to be the backup at first base, but I think he also might see a lot of time at DH depending on what happens with Michael Young, who's very unhappy there, as you may or may not know, in Texas. So if Michael Young goes, I think we're going to see Napoli for sure at DH. So you want to you want to monitor that. But again, Napoli, I would not draft as a first baseman. There is no way that I do that. Some other spot starters that I'll see. Lance Berkman certainly is a guy who I think is going to have an amazing year. Now that he's moved to St. Louis, I think good things are going to happen there. And he suffered from a lot of bad luck. Lance Berkman's a much better hitter than 248. And he is an end game pick that you can get a lot of value from. 35 years old, but he can get on base. He can hit for power. He only had 404 at-bats last season. The thing that I'm concerned about certainly is injury. So that's the deal there. But I think there's amazing value there with Lance Berkman. A couple other names that I'll throw out, but you can take a look at the player track rankings for free this year. Yay! A lot of a guy that a lot of folks were uh, happy about last season or excited about. Young kid. Well, so you think. He isn't very young, but he's recently only recently come up in the bigs. Talking about Garrett Jones, who actually is 30 years old uh, this year. Played 112 games at first base last season. I drafted him in a league for 49 uh, for, for in, in the outfield where he only played 49 times for Pittsburgh. It's a lousy team. He did hit 21 home runs. You can definitely get him for a buck in the end game, I would say, because he only hit 247. His batting average on balls in play was 279. So there's nothing but upside for Garrett, but he's just not a great solid player. A sleeper pick if you're looking for one in very, very deep leagues, I would say Ty Wigginton. You see, Ty can play everywhere. He primarily is penciled in right now for the Rockies, where he just moved to Colorado, so that's why I mention him. Behind Todd Helton, who had a very, very poor year last season for Todd, but Todd turns 38 this year. He's on his way out. And while we're waiting probably for prospects to come up, Wigginton could see a lot of playing time, particularly there. Uh, He can play third base. Uh, Wigginton can also play second base. So he's all over the place. And uh, I can see him taking some time away potentially from Ian Stewart. Uh, He could take some time away from Herrera slash uh, Jose Lopez there in the second base spot. So this has to be in deep leagues. You know, I'm a guy that doesn't like to go for sleepers. If I can avoid it, I like to go for a sure thing. But I'm just mentioning him, you know, just in case I need to look good and he happens to have a breakout season. I don't know. I'm kidding. Carlos Pena is another guy I'll throw out there just because he had 28 home runs last season. But a guy, the guy can't hit for average. And the fact that he was uh, sub 200 and 484 at-bats last season, it's just killer. His batting average on balls in play, though, was 225 last year. And, you know, if you think that's deadly, it was 253 before so really what he should have probably hit last season's 226 which is very close to the 227 that he hit in 2009 hit 247 in 2008 the 282 we saw in 2007 that was probably the aberration you know i i can't see much from carlos pena notwithstanding the move to wrigley you know that's a good thing he's going to replace Derek lee and the long reign that Derek lee had there so if carlos can hit some into the ivy he definitely can increase his average but you would get him primarily for those home runs. And he's definitely somebody that I'd rather have over Wigginton just for the power and the fact that we know that Carlos Pena has a starting gig. So take that into account. Thank you for listening for this the first podcast. I started with first baseman because it's just chock full with amazing players. And just about anybody that you're going to get in your league is going to be a stellar player. So that's why, because everyone's going to get a solid player at first base, you're going to have to focus on some of the others. 
And that's probably why I started with this, to get my feet wet again. And I hope to just continue to get everything done probably by mid-March in order to get all the positions done. Maybe, uh, yeah, it'll probably be mid-March, so there'll be multiple podcasts happening probably in multiple weeks, but my feet is wet now. I'd like to probably start the Blog Talk Radio with some live uh, questions. If you have questions fantasy questions you can go to playertrack.com go to a player profile post the question i might use it on the podcast and uh, i'd love to start getting some folks to come to the website come and take a look at the rankings there's excel spreadsheets you can download excel spreadsheets use the rankings on the fly there is a draft tool a nix tool that will allow you to remove players from the ranking on the fly during a draft and you can take a look at how to do that uh, by clicking help at the top of playertrack.com. I hope that you have a wonderful rest of the week, and I will be talking to you very soon, probably in the next few days, going over second baseman. Playertrack.com. It's free.